Welcome to State of the Art Southern Illinois, a podcast by the Marion Cultural and Civic Center. Our guest today is Steve Hornbeek, a Southern Illinois native who has made his living touring with some of the greatest musicians in the world. Listen as we discuss his youth and his development as a musician, when he broke into the touring industry, and what he's doing now with some of the biggest names in music. Steve, thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, it's such an honor to have somebody that is so deeply vested in the music industry here in Southern Illinois and able to do a podcast locally because you're from here in Southern Illinois. Uh, but deeply means I'm old and I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the definition. <laughs> so how did you start out in music? Like, would well, you know, growing up in Southern Illinois, there there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities of playing music in in bands out live. Uh, but I started when I was in in high school, you know, playing saxophone. I actually started in junior high, but my family sang in church when I was a kid, so I was always around music and around pianos. Uh, and then I took up saxophone in high school, and, and while I was in high school, I did get into a couple of bands uh, in the Cape Girardeau area. And played around on the weekends when everybody was out partying, and running around. I was still I was playing in a band with a bunch of guys my parents' age, and uh, so they kind of taught me, took me under their wing. It was a band called Mike Smith and the Runaways out of Cape, and then I ended up going to Florida when I was twenty uh, with a band that was going down to do a audition for a state fair circuit, and they do it at a, at the fairground and and a audition for all the different states. And so we went down there and and did some a little bit of work in Tampa, Florida, while we were there. And I met a band while I was there that offered me. I was just going to Florida for a couple of days. I met a band and uh, I got up and set in, and they offered me a job. And I was twenty, and I'd never seen a band like this. You know, playing five or six nights a week, you know, and living in Tams, you know, that was never going to happen. And uh, my parents thought, you know, uh, if I want to stay down there, it'll last a couple of weeks and I'll come crawling back home. Well, it turned into, you know, five years of me being in Florida and playing in different bands. And then while I was doing that, uh, I was playing in a resort uh, and Lee Greenwood, who you just had here not long ago, was staying at the resort and he, uh, I stuck a tape and a note under his door. I was in the house band at that hotel and I stuck a tape in the owner's door asking if he'd like to come down. It was no, like a Monday or Tuesday, nobody there. And uh, I knocked on his door and I left. And about 10 minutes later, he come walking in the lounge. And after I ended up working with him for five years, I saw him walk into a lounge maybe twice in five years. So why that night? He decided to, but thankfully he did. And uh, I sang one of his songs and he jumped up on stage and sang with me. And I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, I sang with Lee Greenwood. And then about six weeks later, he'd called the hotel and found out who I was and got my home number, and he called me at my house and wanted if I'd come and audition for his band. Of course, I thought it was a joke. Yeah, I started laughing. I was going, "Is this Joey? Is this so and so?" He started laughing, so I thought it was a, uh, you know, somebody pl pulling a prank on me. But it was, obviously it was him, and I ended up going and auditioning, and I got the gig and played with Lee for five years. But that's kind of he's the one who I feel like I owe my entire career to Lee Greenwood because he he really gave me a break that you know hardly ever comes along. Yeah, so it was really cool. Yeah, and he was. He was discovered as essentially as a lounge act in Las Vegas as he well. He was, yeah. yeah. He was writing songs and, and uh, doing a show in Vegas. And, and you know, thankfully, uh, he uh, liked what well, he wanted a bunch of young guys in the band. And, and which all of us, four out of five of us, there were five guys in the band back then. And uh, four of us are still together to this day uh, with a, a one additional guy, which is now Six Wire. Wow. So we've been together for almost 34 years. So the same band that, 
that back Lee Greenwood that you joined to really start your yeah, career back in '88. Wow. Yeah, we're still together, still best friends. And uh, Andy Childs, who's our lead singer for um, Six Wire, he uh, was a, he had a solo career, and he was our opening act for a while. That's how we met him. So we've always had, we've all played with a lot of artists, uh, and just but throughout all the years, we've always kind of had our little band thing going, and then it kind of took off, and and now we've quit working with touring with artists and we do our own thing and invite the artists to come and do, be part of our show. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. So what all you, so you started with Lee Greenwood, mm -hmm. toured with him for five years. Yeah. Where'd you go from there? Uh, from there I got hooked up with, uh, I got a call. I'd, I'd quit the road for a little while to uh, just work on some personal things in life. And uh, then um, I got a call that there was this, uh, which one of the guys in Faith Hill, which one of the guys, it was Faith Hill, but one of the guys in Lee Greenwood's band was filling in for her uh, on with her on guitar and knew that she needed a keyboard player who could do vocal arranging. And so he set me up with a phone call and they invited me to come to Nashville and audition for this band. And uh, I had just been off the road maybe a year. I thought maybe I'd, you know, it was too hard on the personal life and, um, and uh, I'd just out of the blue, got this call. There's this artist named Faith Hill. She was new, and nobody really knew who she was yet. She had one or two singles out, and um, I drove to Nashville and, and auditioned and got the job, and then it was almost a little over 10 years I played with Faith, which was really fun because it was during the time when she was a nobody up to winning the Grammys, you know, so wow. we did, you know, a lot of TV. We would do Letterman a couple times a year and Tonight Show and all the award shows. That's when she was winning everything, so it was it was a good time to work with an artist like that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So you were a large part of the projection of her career. Yeah, um, if it wasn't for me, yeah, well, there'd be been there. a different keyboard player. <laughs> 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 no, but I was there and, and watched the whole career grow, so it was yeah. kind of cool. Now, as keyboard player, do you often serve as band leader as well? or? Uh, no, uh, we had our steel guitar player actually was our, the band leader, and I was kind of the vocal leader. So I would okay. like uh, help to arrange all the vocal stuff, and because I sang uh, background vocals on all of our early hits was pretty much me doing the background vocals. So it was uh, it was fun for me to get to do that. I was kind of in charge of the vocals, and uh, at that level, it's like everybody is is really good at what they do. So a, a band leader is more or less somebody just make sure everybody's where they need to be, and you know we're all kind of at that point kind of pro so yeah <laughs> hopefully we all are we would have the gigs um but yeah it's it's fun so being a band leader on that level is a lot easier than 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 one would assume y yeah i mean there are some responsibilities you take on as as the um the md you know your music director you're you have to do charts a lot of times when you're gonna learn new songs you know and which everybody can do charts but you, you know that everybody's on the same page if one guy's doing everything and uh, you get all that out you make sure everybody knows when rehearsals are you're kind of almost like you have a tour on a big tour. You have a tour manager. You have a production manager. You got tour managers. Tour managers kind of overseeing everybody's schedule, and then the band leader kind of makes sure the band's informed on everything. Uh, you know, and then when you're doing a rehearsal, if, if everybody's you know speaking up and going, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. Then sometimes you don't get anything done if, if it's all chiefs and no engines. You know, so yeah, we uh, you, you kind of select somebody to be. I mean, at that point, everybody's a great enough musician that everybody's ideas are going to be great ideas. So you just decide to go, whatever he says, that's what we're going to do. It's all agree to do. It's not going to be dumb. It's going to be a good idea. Yeah. Let's just go with it and we'll move on, you know, and get the show tight and, and you respect each other at that point. There's no egos at that point. Everybody just has to know that you're, you're the leader of this, you're the leader of that. And 
It should be that way in any business. But yeah. Yeah. And everybody's going to fill their role. And Everybody their fills their get role. Done. Yeah. That's awesome. So 10 years with Faith. Yep. And uh, I mean, that's tremendous. That's yeah. Incredible. And she would have babies. Yeah. <laughs> when she'd have babies, she'd take time off. And during that time, I would go out and play with other artists. You know, so it was a lot of fun. I did a year with Tracy Lawrence when she had her first baby. Uh, and then I I played with uh, just just so many different ones, but it's like after after Faith I played with Richard Marks, and then during Richard Marks I also played with John Michael Montgomery for five years while I was doing fifteen years with with Richard Marks. So it's always like when you have that time off in between. Uh, but yeah, being with Faith was was fantastic. But uh, you know she would have kids, and whenever you know she'd do that, she'd take time off. We would all be like scrambling for work, and um, then when she did her last leave. Uh, she was making a movie. She was doing Stepford Wives, and her and Tim moved out to California, and uh, he was doing Friday Night Lights, and she just stopped touring. You know, we thought it was going to be six months or so, and that ended up being you know, almost three years that she didn't do anything. And so during that time, all of her band went different directions. Three of us were with Richard Marks. The girls went with Toby Keith. Two of the guys were with Alan Jackson. I mean, just everybody went different direction, Brooks and Dunn. And so when she came back out, she was only going to do about 20 shows a year, which is not really enough to make us all drop the good tours that we were doing to go back so yeah. so none of us ended up working with her again we still see her from time to time and she's still you know it's like a reunion but it's just uh you know she's at a level now where she doesn't have to tour unless she wants to so that's not always the best artist to be working with at the time. yeah yeah unless they're gonna have a retainer and a exactly just like an annual salary yeah for you. yeah we love her and she's a great friend but you know it's one of those things where she just doesn't work enough to yeah. you know, keep you busy and Somebody told me that Garth Brooks at one point started just paying his band on an annual basis. Yeah. So that they're always available for him. Exactly. And and, and that's been that way at, at times with different artists. You know, you go on a retainer, but that's usually if they're, uh, you know, somebody like Garth who's, you know, I think he made the statement that he's got more money than his grandkids, grandkids will spend. They can afford to do that, but a lot of artists can't, you know, and uh, they'll, they'll put you, if, if you're going to be off for three or four months, they'll put you on a retainer and say, don't leave me. You know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be careful what else you get involved in. Cause if they call you, you got to drop wherever you're yeah. doing and go out. Whereas like three years of not touring, they can't. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sustain. That would be crazy. Yeah. That'd yeah. be crazy. Cause none of us are going to say, I wouldn't sit around. I can't sit around for a week without playing music. Yeah. I got to go play. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you've played with some tremendous, tremendous artists. Was there a certain point where you where you said, "Okay, I, I finally feel like I'm established in this industry"? Yeah, um, you know, people have asked me that a lot of times, and it's like where the defining point is whenever you feel like, "Okay, I've made it. I don't have to worry worry about doing the you know finding the gigs anymore." Um, I always take it back to even the Lee Greenwood days. You know, when I played with Lee Greenwood, there was like. Back then, when you think about it, there was like 15 to 20 artists. That's all there was. You have the Kenny Rogers and Barbara Mandrell and Ronnie Millsap and Charlie Daniels and Lee Greenwood. And, you know, there's, there's, now they're all iconic artists, but there was a handful of artists. There was about four or five labels. And now there's like 50 independent labels and they all have 20 artists on them. You know, so there's so, so much work for side guys like myself. You know, there's so much work. But when you got established back then, uh, it was a really big deal to land in one of those jobs, you know, to be working with Lee Greenwood. And I didn't know, I wasn't living in Nashville. I, I just was in the right spot at the right time. And uh, you kind of, when you work with a, an artist that's that established, then you get a name for yourself. Um, if you go out with a brand new act and they're just trying to make their way up, you know, you're hoping that they become so big that it helps your career as well. 
Uh, and then after Lee, it was more just calls, you know, the people wanting you to be in their band. Can you do this tour? You know, I had several tours during that year I took off that I passed on because uh, I just didn't know if I wanted to go back out and hit it that hard. Lee was doing over 200 shows a year for five years straight, which is unheard of. Yeah, that's wild. But I was at you know, 24, 25 years old, and I thought, this is the greatest thing in the world, you know. And I look back, and I was probably, when you consider how long I was gone from home, I was probably making about 25 cents an hour. Yeah. You know? But, uh, uh, you know, then in the later years, you know, when you start working for all these artists and they just call you to see if you're available, that's when I kind of felt like that was the defining moment of, Okay, I, if I want to continue to do this for the rest of my life, I'm I'm in, and it takes a long time. I've been doing this for 34 years, so it's not like that happened in the first couple of years. It's taken over time, and all the cool things that you do along the way. You just you're you're there. You're networking. You're, and luckily with Sixwire, uh, you know we we played for so many artists now that we're pretty established and now doing our own thing. So when was Sixwire originally established? Well, like I said, four of us were early Greenwood's band, and then uh, we had a, a a record deal and one single out on Warner Brothers called "Look at Me Now." And uh, then about that time, a lot of labels were merging and stuff, and there were some, you know, we just kind of got on the back burner, and, and the, you know, that's just the way it works, you know. Yeah. Uh, you don't ever. It's it's a timing thing sometimes with you know getting a record deal, how the industry's going, but we've been together for a little over twenty years as Six Wire. Um, but we've been together for 34 years, most of us, in some form. You know, we started little band projects, side projects, but we were always doing tours. You know, um, I was with Faith Hill. Our bass player was also, I got him the job with Faith Hill. Um, Andy was still doing solo stuff. Chuck, our drummer, was playing with Alabama. And uh, eventually, this just kind of took off. And it's like, okay, if we're going to make a go of this, um, we're going to have to leave these artists. And that's a scary point when you go, okay, I've worked my entire career to be the guy that everybody wanted to use as a keyboard player and background singer. And then all of a sudden you go, okay, I'm going to start saying no to everybody that offers me a job because we're going to make a go of this. And it's turned out to be a much better thing than working for the artist. Now we're the act and we just bring them in. It's kind of neat. It's what we do. All, we call it like all-star jam. Um, and what we do is it companies come to us and they know they're hiring us and here's a roster of a hundred artists that like to play with us they've all worked with us at some point and it's everybody from alice cooper to members of kiss to michael mcdonald kenny loggins and every country artist toby keith i mean every everybody you can think of it's it's kind of insane when i when i really look at the list of people um and garth and we're talking about garth i mean everybody and so it's it's more lucrative for us to be the band and you you say uh, it costs this much for us and you can add this artist and this artist and this artist for this much more. And you put together a show that you want for your company and you get a whole night of number one hits sung by the actual artist and as with us as the band. And we do a few songs in between each act when they come out. So it's, it's fun. And then we get to work with so many iconic artists that we grew up listening to and, you know, idolized. Yeah. It's really fun. I mean, I've worked with just about all of my heroes now. It's been really neat. That's incredible. Yeah. And coming from, you know, little Tams, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> and moving up and Yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I, I never take it for granted, you know, where I came from and and how fortunate and and lucky at times that I am and but you know, I work hard at it, you know. It's not just been handed to you on a plate. You gotta work at it to, to maintain this level because there's so many great young musicians coming up, you know, these Guys are just, you know, bedroom closet musicians that just sit and practice and practice and practice. And you see them on YouTube and TikTok and you go, oh, my gosh. 
you know, they're monsters, mm -hmm. you know, but there's always you know, that, that advice that I give every musician, you know, they, they also have to like you to hire you. Yeah. You know, when I got hired by Lee Greenwood, the best advice I ever, I ever got, I asked him, I said, why with all the people that you could have hired, um, did you pick me when you were, you know, in Nashville, there's so many musicians and here I was in Florida and playing at a holiday inn, you know, and, and he said, well, 25% of it is that can you play the intros and, and all the licks that you hear on piano exactly like the record, you know, can you play that consistently every night? He said 25% of it was, you know, do you have the image of the right age that I'm looking for to fit in with the rest of the guys in my band? He said, and 50% of it is, can you live on a bus for 200 days a year with those guys and them still like you? Yeah. <laughs> and there's so much truth to that. Because I've had guys, you know, that come out, have sub for me when I would like have two artists at one time that I'm playing with. And I have like another guy that would come in and fill in for me on one of the gigs. And you don't like doing that because you're always afraid they're going to come in and they're going to, you know, just smoke you as a player. And the artist is going to go, hmm, we could just hire them. Um, but a lot of times they've come back and I know they're better players, but the artists will be like, don't ever ask them to come out again. They were just, you know, they're rude, they're obnoxious, they're, you know, they're just, you got to sell yourself. So yeah. it's not always about how great a player you are. And you it, it sounds like there's no room for ego in this. There's not, and and I know, I, you know, I find that a lot of the younger guys. I'm sure probably when my younger days in Green was band, you know, when you're playing with a, a hot artist that's, you know, uh, and you're young, and you know, you're you're worried, you look in a mirror before you go out on stage and go, yeah, I look good. You know, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, now we're older. It's like it's 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 a different mindset. So I think the younger guys, we I probably my might had a little ego at one time, you know, because you're proud of what you're doing when you first start doing it, but it does become. Uh, a job and I, I love my job I'm, I feel very fortunate that I and get you're to, obviously very very good at your job uh, I, I I guess I'm okay yeah. you know I'm, I'm still hanging in there after 34 years but I do see guys all the time that are so good you know they'll come to me and they'll go you know how you get these gigs or I'll have somebody go well you need to get so-and-so in there because they're really good you know somebody's parents and and there's so much advice you know I, I do clinics sometimes I do lessons and teach people how to use the number system and the things that you need to know to do what we do. Uh, no matter how great you are, if you're going to sit down and play a rock and roll song, if you can fly up and down the neck of a guitar, but can you listen to a song and play exactly what they did on the record? Not elaborate on it, not add anything. What you think would be better than what they did, you know, just to play what they did and do it consistently every night without making a mistake. You know, it, that's that's the more of the challenge. That's the less is more. Just play the basic thing that needs to be played. And uh, and you can do it. Be a likable, be a likable person. Yeah, yeah. And be nice. Don't let. I'm still ego working get in on that way. part. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know that you're doing fine there. So you're doing these amazing things on a national level, but then you're also doing stuff here at home in Southern Illinois as well. Yeah. And so, what do you have going on locally? Well, um, my wife, Kathy, and I own Kiki's Coffee House, which is in Anna, and I had a I have a show that I've been doing uh, for about, I have a band called the Main Street Players, which is all, you know, Ashley Hatfield, who's mm -hmm. done a lot of stuff for the Miss Illinois pageant here, um, and uh, we've had a, a band that did a does a show called the Shawnee Hills Opry, and actually, when we first met, I was doing, we had the Southern Illinois we Opry did, that yeah. we were doing here, and I was coming up from Nashville before I moved back up here, and... Um, it's just it's a great show, like a little variety show we do, and we just do it once every few months, and uh, so we're still continuing to do that. It's been re 
revamped a few times with a few different members and stuff. And it, it always has to do with how much time I have when I'm touring. Uh, this year's a really busy year, but we're now we're, we're doing it again where it's more of an acoustic type show, more intimate setting, and 100% of all the money that we take in, we're donating right back into our county, into Union County. We're doing music scholarships and donating to a shop with a cop and a fireman and past who keeps up the historical buildings and stuff. So we're donating 100% of the money back. So we're just kind of doing it for the love of, of playing music, and you know it's a, it's a really good show. It's called the Shawnee Hills Opry. Uh, and then I also have a dueling piano thing that me and Eric Massey, who's another local musician who sang with Diamondback and Diamond Dog, and uh, and we just do you know once a month we'll play at Kiki's when I'm not touring, and uh, we play out other places, and uh, we're, so we're we have a lot of fun with that. It's just like a dueling piano show, and take requests and joke around a lot, and some do still doing local stuff. I have a lot of lo- little local things I'm doing, but we have shows at the coffee house. We played at, at Kiki's once a month, and. And uh, we, we've been bringing in, you've got Susie Boggess is coming yeah. here. She was, um, she played at the coffee house one time and I've had Little River Band and Brian White and mm-hmm. it's a really small, intimate setting. We only seat about 80 people. So it's, uh, you know. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Tickets are $2,000 a ticket. You know, <laughs> <so> we're, <laughs> we're trying You've to make, make you know, the math work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, we're having a lot of fun with it. So I, I enjoy coming home and doing like the smaller shows. Cause you know, one night I'll be playing like just a few nights ago, we played the Nashville Grand Prix uh, and I played with Dina Carter and Taylor Hicks and a couple new artists, Abby uh, Anderson and uh, Jackson Dean, who are a couple new artists. Uh, they were the four that, that were performing on this show. Uh, and then uh, the very next night, you know, I did a doing piano show at the VFW in Anna. You know, we had 40,000 people at the one in Nashville and, you know, 200 at the one the next night. Yeah. So, and I love it. You know, it makes it yeah. fun. And you're playing the same one way or the other. A- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just uh, just hacking away into what I'm doing. So uh, there's a there's a fun thing that you were a part of a few years ago. Um, that's not national touring and it's not what you're doing in Anna, but you were part of the show Nashville. Yeah. How did, um, how did that happen? Well, that's, you know, kind of one of the things of six wire, I think that kind of took off for us becoming the band that is kind of the go-to band in Nashville. So we did like, um, Nashville star. Uh, we were the house band for the TV show. And then we also for, um, can you Duet, which is on CMT and then, uh, CMT's next superstar. So we became the house band for all these shows that were produced by American Idol. And we became kind of the go-to band for anything. It was in Nashville. We we're kind of Nashville's band. And so when this TV show came out in Nashville and they wanted a band to back the main character, which was played by Connie Britton, who was Raina James, they asked us to be her band on the TV show. And uh, the, the bad part for me is the, that I, at the time I was touring with Richard Marks as well. None of the other guys were really touring that much, but I was doing a lot of stuff overseas. I was playing, uh, we did a Asia tour for like a couple years. We were go, just go, everything I did was international. And um, we were playing Russia and we have all things, Russia and Ukraine and Jakarta and the Philippines and Singapore. We were just all, all over Germany. And so I couldn't do the first two seasons. I would have had to quit Richard Marks' band to go, and you're kind of you're paid like as an extra. It's like a prestigious thing, but it's not like a, a career for us to yeah. do that. Uh, so I couldn't do it. And then when Richard finished the tour, um, it just so happened the guy that was pretending to be the keyboard player uh, got a full time teaching job, and they called me and said it's open. I said I'm in. So I did the last four seasons of the six, but the, the band did the all six all six seasons, and uh, it was fun. And then through that we. Um, 
a lot of the art because all the artists that you heard on the show singing whether it's Connie Britton or Charles Esten or any of the of the artists that was really them singing you know they pre-record but that's their voices that you hear so everybody was good singers and so we started doing tours with part of the cast of Nashville and we were the band and we became Charles Esten who played uh, Deacon Claiborne uh, we do the Opry with him probably half a dozen times a year at least and go out and do shows here and there if Six Wire is available to go out and do it. So it became a pretty cool thing, you know, working with some different actors and actresses. And so that, that's kind of, it was a different avenue. It's one of those things that, you know, at this point in our life, and we were all, we're all right at 60 years old. I'm 59. I think the oldest guy in the band is 61. I hate to even say that because we all started doing this. We were 24 and 25. Uh-huh. Um, but we we thought, you know, at this age, you're not going to find these young artists that are going to go. Hey, I want Grandpa in the band. You yeah, know? <laughs> you know. So you got to You have to know. So like, what are we going to do? We're going to start slowing down, and we're busier now than I have been in 20 years. And we just found a niche with these corporate events and TV and and uh, that um, you know, the the old guys tour. <laughs> well, and that's the I I've been sitting here just thinking about what you said about how you've structured that. To where you're the go, your band is the go-to contact for these corporate events yep. with a roster of artists that'll play with you and come out and sing with you that have worked with you before mm-hmm. and that like you and that you already have a relationship with. Yep. Um, and so you're almost like your own little corporate boutique agency oh, that provides a band, but then has all of these artists. And I, I think that's so cool. It, it's a neat thing, and it's not that. <clears throat> excuse me. That we reinvented the wheel. But I think at this level, nobody has done what we're doing um, to where we have such iconic artists. You know, like Alice Cooper, we just did, you know, thing with him in uh, Columbus, Ohio this week. And now we're the house band for all of Alice's events. He does a Christmas pudding that we do every year in December. We're already booked for it this year. Uh, he has a thing called Solid Rock Foundation, where it's the inner city kids can all come for free and they learn about recording and playing and all of his rock star friends donate instruments and, and everything and come into clinics. You, you might have Slash from Guns N' Roses will come into a clinic for the kids, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, and so we do fundraisers with Alice to um, raise money for his event. And he started off doing one of our St. Jude events and just loved the band and then ask us to be the house band because he's like, my band's good at what I do. He said, but if they can't switch genres like you guys, you know, we can go from playing, you know, some old classic country to playing, you know, Alice, Alice Cooper, Cooper in one yeah. night, and it all sounds authentic. Um, and so he he's got a couple of events a year now we do, and he comes and does several events that we do. Uh, and it's become this thing where at Christmas time we play with Johnny Depp and uh, you know just every like. Rock star you can think of with Alice, the heavier, you know. Yeah. Not as much keyboards, but I get to sing, you know. Yeah. And I, I fake it, and I like to say I shake my hair around, but I, I don't do that much anymore. <laughs> but um, I, uh, it's, it's fun, you know. I pull up a guitar patch on the piano and and sound like I'm a rock player. Yeah. And, yeah, and then the next night we maybe do in the ACM Awards. You know, we'll do the house band for that, and we'll play for all the new country acts, you know, Marin Morris and just everybody you can think of. So you guys were the house band for ACM Awards. We do all the ACM events. We have wow. been now for like the last. I don't know, six or seven years. And uh, yeah, so we get to play with just about everybody on that. A lot. It's so funny because for me, you know, starting off with a lot of the older people, because I play with like Eddie Rabbit and Lee Greenwood and all those people, all these new artists that are younger than my, my own daughter, uh, you know, and they come into the rehearsals and, you know, you're up there and you've learned all these songs. You've, you know, learned 70 something songs for the, the show. And 
they they come in and they're all there and I don't even know what they look like, you know. And and I see them walk around. These guys with ball caps on. These cute little girls. It feels like a uh, you know, you're in a like an American Idol, and these are going to be the contestants. And then you realize she just won Female Vocalist of the Year, and it's like they're just also young, and you know, it's it's a whole new generation. So it's a it's a way for us to still be a little bit, you know, relative and connected to what's going on now. So I had no idea no idea that you had done that. Yeah, and so you're you're increasing the roster of people that you guys are playing with. Yeah. Every year with the top new artists coming yep. in every year. Yeah. And adding to your relationships yeah. and and networking further by playing the ACMs every year. That's incredible. It's it's so much fun. I know when people ask, well, who all have you played with? And I it's almost I almost hate to, to open that can of worms because it sounds like I'm lying. It just does. I mean, it because you've right played now, with everybody at this point. Yeah, right right at this point now, not open for, but actually performed with um, where I, we have to chart out the songs and be on stage and sing with them and learn their vocal part, all that stuff. Uh, we're at over 260 artists now, and we don't. We're, they're actually checking to see if there's any any other touring band. And we had a write up in a, in a Billboard, um, and uh, it's different different things and, and that they'll write up about. But I don't know that there's been any other touring band that's played for more artists than we have. Uh, I mean, you'll have like the band that does the Tonight Show, but I mean like. I'm talking about a band that's actually out on the road that's been a band together for 20-something yeah. years, backing artists that has a roster as big as ours. So we're trying to find that out. That's <laughs> We had to put together a list for a, a promotional thing of who all we'd played with, and so we all started having to write down you know, every artist we'd played with, and it started going, this is insane. But it's true. It's just it doesn't seem like that would be possible. Yeah. But in 34 years, though, it <laughs> but I say most of that has been in the last you know ten years. I mean, I played with you know Faith and Greenwood and all them artists, but but all these award shows and and uh, events around that and the TV stuff. And now we're the the house band for we took over Charlie Daniels Volunteer Jam, yeah, because we were the, we were the band that would play. Charlie played with his band when he would come out, but he would also perform with us, and all the artists would sing that he invited. We were the house band. It wouldn't be his band. So after he we played his last birthday party, he was actually a fan of ours. And um, he um, had us involved. So, I mean, within literally within a week when he passed, uh, his, uh, I guess it was his daughter called Andy and wanted to know if we would take the reins and continue the volunteer jam. So we were honored to do it. And so that's coming up this year. And then, you know, so that's all. That's usually about 30 artists that we have to back on that night. And then Scott Hamilton, the figure skater, does a big cancer benefit at, at Bridgestone Arena. These are both at Bridgestone Arena. And, you know, we've done with Kenny Rogers, or not Kenny Rogers, Kenny Loggins and um, Journey and Gavin DeGraw, all these people that will perform with us on that, where the skaters are, act we're on the ice with a small stage on the ice, and the skaters doing their routine to us live. And that's a really cool thing. And that's coming wow. up here in a few months. So there's all these events that are, have a lot of artists, you know, we're getting the call for. And it's just, it's really great, this this stage of our life at our age, that we still have found a niche. Yeah. Yeah. And you're playing with the most relevant people. It's, in the industry. It's hard. Yeah, it just kind of blows me away. I'd love to get up here and do a show sometime with Six Fire and a handful yeah. of artists. I mean, we do a lot of stuff like this This coming well, week. Well, let's figure that out. Yeah, this coming week we got, I'm playing with, um, we have a show we do in, in Memphis a couple times a year where you see Elvis on the big screen and you hear his voice. And then under the big screen, it's Six Fire and we're playing the music live, but you hear Elvis and it's all the remaining members of Elvis's band playing with us, which is a really cool actual thing. Live recorded vocal tracks from Elvis. Yeah, what they did was they took like say the 
um, when he was in Hawaii, you know, the, and they would have the live footage where they multitrack so they could solo up his. You could hear a little bit of the bleeding of the band, but when we're playing live, you won't notice it. But they take in just his voice, and uh, so you see him and you hear him from his live performance, and we play live to it. It's a challenge because you have the monitor where you can see him, and so you can watch all of his, you know, his hand gestures and and all that. He speeds up and slows down, so it's a challenge, you know, to to do it. We'll have a full day of rehearsing, just going over all of it, and then do the show the next day. We do it his birthday week and his uh, death the death week every year, and uh, our our lead singer Andy is from Memphis, and he's tied in with Graceland. And it's at Graceland at the, their venue across the street, so we're doing that. And then we go to Springfield, Missouri, and we do one night as a show, just us at a, a festival. The next night is the lead singer from uh, Journey, Kansas, and um, Derek St. Holmes from uh, Ted Nugent. Yeah. There'll be our three artists that will perform with us that night. And then we also have a St. Jude benefit in uh, Memphis um, that we'll have uh, Scott Stapp from Creed, uh, Ed Rowland from Collective Soul. Um, who else we got? Um, just it's like probably seven or eight artists for that event. So it's, for me, every day it's like any day off I have is learning songs. It's just learning songs. I have like 132 songs we play this month. You know, different artists. That's, it gets a little overwhelming at times. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, when it becomes a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it becomes a job, but such a cool job. It is. It is. Um, I mean, I've and you're able to do what you love. Yeah, it's still a lot of hard work because you're learning ridiculous amounts of music every month at this point. <laughs> it, it is, but the fun thing for me is like, and I think about it every time I drive through Carbondale and I see SIU Arena. I'm like, almost every artist that I saw there growing up, including seeing Elvis, um, and I, you know, like I'll, next week I'll be working with four of the guys that were on stage on that show with him at SIU Arena when I was a teenager. Uh, but I've seen, I've played with almost every act that I saw. Uh, at SI Arena, and I remember, you know, watching them, you know, as a teenager, you're in high school, and you, you know, you see the flashlight come out, and they're getting ready to go up the steps to go on stage. Because back then, you know, artists weren't as accessible as now. There's no internet, and you know, mm-hmm. you'd only see them on an award show or a video on MTV, and so you'd see them walk out, and you go, "Oh my God, that's them, that's them, there, there they are." And then, uh, I, who would have ever thought this many years later, I would, you know have their cell number in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of yeah. weird. Uh, They're but, on your roster for your corporate events. Ex- exactly. They are. So it's, it's such a cool thing. You know, and I have some favorites, you know, I, when I worked with Lou Graham, um, you know, from Foreigner and you're singing Cold as Ice and Jukebox Hero with the actual guy who sang it, you know, it's like, it's yeah. cool. And, uh, but probably my biggest was um, singing with Michael McDonald because that's, I've known Michael for a long time. Both of us are Yamaha artists as far as keyboard artists. And I've seen him at parties. We've talked, you know, we've actually had lunch together with, you know, a small group of people, but I'd never performed with him. And we do these big St. Jude events and he came out and did one. And I was almost, this is just a couple of years ago. I was almost in tears because I was like, you know, six feet away. It was my keyboard and his keyboard. And, you know, we're doing, I keep forgetting and, you know, taking him to the streets. I'm, I'm playing and singing with Michael, who I grew up trying to mimic, you know, his playing style and, uh, and he couldn't have been nicer to me and you know, my wife, Kathy, and because t- he's from St. Louis, and we talked about when he played Cape Girardeau when he's a kid. So we, we had great conversations, and, and so that was, that was one of my highlights. Yeah, for, yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Steve, it's neat when they're so nice, you know. I've, I so appreciate your time today and your graciousness, and you've only got a couple of days downtime this month, <laughs> yeah. and, and you're, you're – giving me the honor of sitting down here with me. And I greatly well, appreciate you. that. I've learned so much 
<laughs> just in our little bit of time here. <laughs> oh. um, I love the idea of Six Wire putting together a show with some names here. That'd be great. You and I, you and I can definitely work on that. I, I would love that because I have people all the time asking, when are you guys going to play close? Because you know, we don't do a whole lot of public shows. We do some, yeah. you know, some events like what we're doing in Springfield, Missouri, uh, and that's the kind of thing you know, that would be great to come here. I mean... I'm sure that I could draw just personally maybe seven or eight people. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, I I think it would be wonderful. Um, and you you keep mentioning corporate gigs. I've just recently learned the financial difference for the artists between corporate gigs and and public gigs. Yeah. Um, and that corporate gigs pay sometimes two to three times more than what they would it get does. paid for a, for a standard public ticketed concert. Yeah. And that's wild to me. It, it is. And plus, you know, when you think of the days of traveling on the bus and fuel and all that for these corporate events, a lot of times they'll get sponsored by, you know, Southwest airline. And so our flights are taken care of and our hotels are taken care of. So it's a lot of stuff that we don't have to deal with. And you just, here's the price, what it costs us uh, to get us. And, and it's, it's a really cool thing. You know, it's, it's sort of like the, the casino circuit, you know, and you know, when you play the casino, you usually stay at the casino hotel, it's convenient, it's connected. So there's always, if some people go, wow, it's not arenas anymore. It's like, it doesn't matter. You get treated better. It's more comfortable when you're doing this all the time. You know, there mm -hmm. comes a point when comfort means more as much to you as how big the room is. You know, I remember the days of thinking it's an arena we have a backstage dressing room, you know, and, and that's all great. Um, and all, but sometimes it's, it's the, the catering and stuff that you get at a, at more of an intimate setting. And, you know, you just, it's a comfort thing, you know, especially as you get older, it's like, you appreciate all that stuff a lot more. You appreciate different things, you know, yeah. as, as you've been doing it a long time. Well, the, the longer that I've been here at the civic center, the more I've learned to focus on the band's experience while they're here. That's great. Um, the crew's experience while they're here, the band's experience while they're here. I want them to leave remembering us in a positive way and, every light yeah because to me their their experience throughout the day is just as important if not more important than their experience of playing the show oh yeah i'll tell you as being a band member and playing i mean i played every major venue probably in the country uh that you you leave a lot of times not thinking about the crowd but how the overall experience of the venue right how the experience of being at that venue because we have some places we're, we're like I don't care if we ever go back there. And, and there's been some that's been like in a, a hole in the wall town in the middle of nowhere that, that Marion would dwarf and you go to it and you go, God, the, the little old ladies that made dinner were so sweet. And, and the, the comfort of the state, you know, everything was great. And, and that's why you go, we got to come back here again. You know, and it's, it's so that it means a lot. So I appreciate, you know, your, your view of that. That's great. Yeah. And, and that was a, that was kind of a paradigm shift for me just a, a few years ago in, in, Kind of looking at the experience and going, you know, they're coming to Marion, Illinois. I want them to remember us. And the Absolutely. only way for that to, to happen is for them to have the best experience they can yeah. have. Yeah. Well, this venue is, I mean, it seriously is amazing. And I'm sure that everybody that listens to the podcast, most of the people have been here. But if you haven't, this place is it's just gorgeous. It's hard for me to believe that this is sitting here, you know, a local place that's this beautiful and it's this first class. And, and I think every act should come through here. You know, if you if it's not on your roster or on your map, they should put it on there because it's a great venue to come and play at. And I, I would love to come back even with some of my local things. But you guys are so booked now. I mean, you're booking yeah, everybody yeah. here. We're trying. You, yeah, you've had a lot of acts that I've actually played with. I, and I hate that I miss it because I'm always on the road, so I don't get to, a chance to see them. But, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's wonderful what you guys are doing here. 
Well, yeah. thank you for being on here today. We appreciate Absolutely. you. And you and I will talk further and see what we Absolutely can work does. out. Appreciate it. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Steve. Thank you for joining us for State of the Arts Southern Illinois, a podcast by the Marion Cultural and Civic Center featuring local artists, artisans, musicians, arts organizations, and arts events in Southern Illinois, as well as touring artists coming to the Marion Cultural and Civic Center. A special thanks to Steve Hornbeek for his time speaking with us today. And a special thank you to Wingtips for providing this episode's soundtrack. Join us every Thursday morning for a new episode on Facebook, YouTube, or whatever audio podcast service you prefer. And now for Minimalistic by Wingtips in its entirety.